The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Well, thank you so much for tuning into the Forum at 8 this morning. And uh, this morning our focus is on what's happening in Cape Town, in uh, Bromwell Street, in uh, Woodstock. And uh, the residents there are up in arms because they have until this Friday to vacate those premises. And last week uh, we actually did uh, pick up on that story as our reporter Berenice Moss tells us more about it. The houses are located in Bromwell Street in the centre of Woodstock, which is fast becoming an urban hotspot and business hub. Most of them are in a dilapidated state. 75-year-old Brenda Smith has been living at number 128 Bromwell Street all her life. It's home to 16 people, including Brenda's children and grandchildren. She says the family faces an uncertain future if evicted from their three-bedroom house and she doesn't know where they will go. Oh, we are all worried, you know. We all feel like it. We're worried. And we are all looking for places. They said that the council, there's no places yet. Smith says she was offered a house in Delft on the Cape Flats, which is about 30 kilometers away. She says it is too far to travel on a daily basis for herself and her grandchildren, some of whom still attend school in the CBD. Brenda's daughter, Michelle Smith. The thing is that we're we going to find places, even if they offer that money to us. Where will we find places? Because there's no places here, not even the room. And even if you find the room here, it's very expensive. And like by my side, I'm a single um, parent with my four kids and my grandchild, and it's very difficult. And I don't have a, like a, a proper job at the moment. I'm looking out there for a proper job. To, to, to see to my needs for a, for a place where I can have like peace with me and my kids like it is now here. Yeah. Safer and especially for our children, safer and that. And it's very difficult. Another Bromwell Street resident, 66-year-old Norman Kibido, says his family offered him accommodation in Michels Plain, but he will still have to travel to Woodstock on a regular basis to receive his chronic medication. And, and to think that we have been suffering these forced removals from the apartheid era and to suffer it now on this, at this stage on your old age, it's, it's, it's very pathetic. The director of the Woodstock hub, Jacques van Emden, says he bought the land in 2013. He says at the time the seller indicated that the houses would be vacant on transfer. As a business, we certainly understand and appreciate the challenge facing these occupants, um, which is one of the reasons why we've been respectful to the occupants over the past three years in terms of not looking for damages in rental, in not looking for, uh, for them to cover the cost of any of the utilities and the consumptions. And uh, what we're hoping to do at the meeting is, is they've asked it for us to have a discussion. We've already, con- uh, we've already agreed to um, various delays from earlier on in the process where they've requested time extensions. And what we're hoping to do really is to hand over the crowdfunding campaign control to them as a group of individuals. Um, I think it's already halfway to its target of 125,000 rand. The city of Cape Town says it won't comment on the matter at this stage as it is between the residents and the developer. The residents have been given until the 9th of September to vacate their homes or be forcibly removed. I'm Berenice Moss in Cape Town. 
And uh, so that is where we pick the story up this morning. The residents have until this Friday to vacate the area or they'll be forcibly removed. Now, the directors of the Woodstock Hub, uh, Jacques Van Ebden, bought the land in 2013. And as uh, um, Berenice had indicated, he, uh, the seller, indicated to him that the houses of the 28 families would be vacant upon transfer. But as we know, they are still there. And the angry residents met with the private developers of the Woodstock Hub in the city yesterday to discuss their pending eviction. So that's our discussion this morning on the forum at 8. And uh, unfortunately, can't get hold of Chanel Commando. Anybody knows her. Anybody uh, can get her to speak to us or anybody else, any of the other residents. Please call us. And uh, we have on the line, though, uh, Mr. Bonginkosi Matigizela, who is uh, Provincial Human Settlements MEC. Mr. Matigizela, thanks for speaking to us this morning. And um, Mr. Matigizela, I also must just indicate that we did extend an invite to uh, the developers as well um, Woodstock, of Woodstock Hub, but they unfortunately declined our invitation this morning. So from your side, if you could just explain to us, uh, you know, the history of this piece of land, because uh, in a situation where the developer says they bought the land in 2013, they were assured that the property would be vacant upon transfer. And now we have a situation whereby there are still 28 families there who are now facing eviction? I think the government has no way of knowing um, the contextual agreement between the private land owners and the tenants. Um, what did happen when this was brought to my attention, I immediately went on site uh, when I was told that these families were being evicted. And um, I spoke to them and as you heard, uh, um, from, from, from the journalist um, who, who put together the story. I then offered the, the alternative accommodation to some of the residents there. Because unfortunately, Sakina, we can only offer people accommodation where we are currently developing as government. Um, this was a clear indication from our side that um, uh, we really, really um, feel um, for their plight and the situation that they find themselves in. But unfortunately, as you heard, they, they declined it because they said it was too far. Um, we have no development closer to where they live currently. And that is why we could only offer them um, the accommodation where they live, where, where, where uh, we are developing. So, so that's the situation. Um, this is a matter between the private owner and its tenants. I mean, uh, the owner, when the owner bought that uh, particular land um, with those units, um, as you heard, um, it was a sale between a private or a, a private individual to a private individual. So, but we felt that we needed to intervene uh, to assist the community. I mean, the families, and uh, unfortunately, they declined um, to to take the offer. If you look at their reasons for declining, they are saying you're moving them, you know, further out to the outskirts of the city, uh, far away from their livelihoods. And um, they've even made the point that this tends to replicate apartheid-era spatial planning. And, and, and that's what's happening. They, they expressed fears that their children uh, may not settle well in the schools in those areas. Uh, you know, some of the reasons that they put forward, uh, did you consider some of those? I cannot do an unfortunate matter that happened um, unexpectedly. Um, none of us in government knew about it, as I said, we 
because it is a matter between a private individual uh, who bought <coughs> uh, the property uh, and now is evicting um, the people who were renting the property to another private individual. Now, as I said, unfortunately, where we are developing currently is the only area that we could offer to the people who are or find themselves in this situation. Um, we have no other development in, in the city currently closer to where they live. But over and above that, Sakina, is that um, when we made this, uh, this intervention, uh, we made this intervention, you know, um, in the midst of many challenges that we are facing in terms of our demand database, our backlog, um, because we plan for these things. So it, either we intervene and offer them the alternative accommodation where we are developing, or, I mean, we, we sit and do nothing. But we felt that we had to do something as government. Um, so there is no other area closer to where they live that we, could, we can offer them because um, we do not have any area that we are developing closer where they live. And um, just another uh, question on clarity. Was this a land bought uh, from a private owner or from the city of Cape Town? It was bought from a private owner. Let me bring in uh, Mr. Daniel uh, Knutzer, who is uh, from an NGO support group. Uh, they've been working with the families in Woodstock. And uh, just to hear from their side in terms of what the families have been going through uh, in all of this. Uh, Mr. Knutzer, thank you so much for speaking to us at short notice. Uh, but, you know, as far as you are concerned, as far as the families are concerned, um, how are they dealing with this situation? Well, firstly, I think what we see happening at Woodstock presents a crisis in human settlements and housing for the entire city. Poor people being progressively edged out and priced out of neighborhoods that were traditionally uh, habitable and uh, housing poor and working-class communities. So for the city of Cape Town and for the Western Cape government to wash their hands of this and to act as though this is simply a private matter between a landlord and not a public crisis in housing we feel is unfair and unjustifiable. We feel there are precedents both internationally uh, for regulating the private sector and ensuring that tenants are protected through rent control and regulating how developers uh, go about their business. And secondly, there's precedent in South Africa where municipalities have been called on to provide alternative accommodation for tenants that stand to be evicted in private uh, disputes with landlords alternative accommodation that is that keeps the tents within the areas. I'm referring here to the Blue Moonlight District, which is uh, the Blue Moonlight Concord ruling uh, of 2013, I believe, in, Joh- uh, in Johannesburg, city of Johannesburg, versus Blue Moonlight PTY. As for the tenants, they've been through an incredibly traumatizing two years. Uh, they've tried to meet and engage with their landlords at various junctures. All they've had were court orders, threats, intimidation, and now families that have stayed for generations in a street, uh, families that have become very close in a close-knit community, starting to be scattered across the Cape Flats, very much in the same way that we've seen forced removal throughout the history of Cape Town. I mean, the, the sentiment and the feeling and the trauma that people are going through is very similar, and we feel that this is something that both private developers need to be conscientious of when they 
by Upland, and it's something that the city of Cape Town and the provincial government need to acknowledge as a crisis for our city, for our housing stock, and for the segregation that we still suffer from um, because of our legacy of apartheid. So, um, Mr. Bonginkosi Madigizela, the MEC, says that uh, there's only so much that government can do to help. He says they don't have any uh, stock available close by to where these residents are being evicted from. So they have no alternative but to relocate them to the areas that have been indicated to them. Well, my question would be, why is there no stock close by to where these residents are being evicted from? The city of Cape Town and provincial government have consistently year-on-year failed to respond to the crisis of raising uh, property values, raising rentals, rates, all the things that make places close to the city uninhabitable for poor and working-class people. There's not been a single affordable housing unit built. Social housing is um, very much in the pipeline and slowly being realized as a response. This is 10, 10, 15 years after places like Woodstock started regenerating at an incredible rate. I feel they're coming late to the party, and the fact that there is no available housing stock speaks to systemic failure in our housing delivery and us realizing our mandate of integrating the city of Cape Town and making it um, <coughs> desegregate and protecting poor people in the places where they have traditionally found tenure close to the city. Mr. Badigizela, why isn't there stock closer uh, to where the residents are being evicted from? Why has the city not made that sort of investment uh, so that uh, those people like uh, who are um, not of the upper echelons of society can live closer to the city and what would be considered prime land? Why hasn't that sort of arrangement been made? I find that sentiment quite sensitive, uh, actually. The point is that Okay, Mr. Madigizela, we are just going to try and get a better line there. But and 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 this is the issue, isn't it? The fact that um, in as much as the dawn of a new democracy promised a lot of changes, uh, not least of which uh, that as it pertains to settlements uh, for families in the new South Africa, and yet. Even when you look at how spatial planning is done um, across the country, you still find that the RDP developments and, and, and all of that is still done on the outskirts of the city. So people still continue to travel like they did in years gone by to their places of work and uh, economic activity. So that apartheid spatial planning does still seem to be a thorn in the side of government, uh, something that they are struggling to get right. Uh, but uh, we'll see if we can get uh, the MEC back there on a better line. Uh, in the meantime, I just want to read some of the messages uh, coming through. Uh, Unati says, uh, worst part uh, is that the city of Cape Town wants to relocate these people to Delft, a place where 31 murders occurred in 31 days. Where are the human uh, rights NGOs when you need them? This is unacceptable in 2016 in this democratic era. Uh, so says Unati. Uh, Bonginkosi Madigizela is uh, uh, talking nonsense. Uh, didn't the city sell the land and now people face evictions? Well, the MEC was very clear there that the city 
city um, was not involved in that transaction. It was from one private entity to another. Uh, Lungile says uh, moving people to Delft and outside CBD is what apartheid government did. uh, Do development in Woodstock and move people closer to the CBD. Uh, Major General says there's something wrong when the city sells land which is occupied. There's a lot of unoccupied land for them uh, to sell and buy and perhaps develop on. Uh, Robert says uh, poor citizens to be evicted in Woodstock. Government should intervene and help these people. Uh, This is where the DA comes in. But what can the city realistically do? What can government realistically do in this instance? Uh, Daniel Kotzer, what do you think, uh, uh, Knutzer rather, what do you think government could do in this instance? Well, I think the first thing they need to do is they need to acknowledge that there's a crisis of affordability in Cape Town and that if things carry on in um, an unregulated private market, land market, the way things have been, very soon it's not only going to be the poorest people that won't be able to live close to Cape Town, but middle class and working professionals as well. Um, that's the first thing. They need to acknowledge that there's a crisis. Secondly, they need to acknowledge that they have an obligation as the state to mitigate against the negative impact of this crisis. Um, they have to look at progressive ways that and, and policy provides for bringing the private sector on board, regulating them must be, uh, to look at the option of rent control, to look seriously at their state assets, which are being stripped, by the way, and sold off to the highest bidder routinely to develop affordable housing, to stopgap this problem and to make... Uh, tenure and housing and decent living conditions a reality for working people that travel into the city en masse every day and have no place to stay close to where they work. So those are three things, acknowledging the problem, working with the private sector, or regulating them if needs be, and thirdly, to use their public state assets, land assets, for affordable housing development close to the city. This morning, our focus is on what's happening in Woodstock and in particular in Bromwell Street. Uh, this is in Cape Town, where the residents have until this Friday uh, to vacate or to be forcibly removed. And that's because uh, a business entity is now moving in and want to develop the land which they bought back in 2013. Some 28 families are affected uh, by this particular situation. The residents are angry. There was a meeting yesterday to discuss this matter further, uh, but it it does not seem as though the residents will win on this one. So what is your view on this? 891 That's our call-in number. SMS us on 34701. Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And uh, we are speaking this morning to Bonginkosi Madigizela, who's the, D, uh, uh, the uh, Human Settlements MEC in the province. And uh, also uh, joining us is Daniel Knutzer uh, from uh, Difunukwazi Support Group, which is an NGO uh, that has been assisting the families in in Woodstock. But I just want to know from you, Daniel, before I get back to the MEC. So um, it seems as though since 2013, uh, the Woodstock hub uh, have made their intentions clear that they wanted these families out and they wanted to start development on that land. Um, so what happened in the interim? Why did the families not make alternative arrangements? 
Uh, we Hello. lost Daniel there. Okay, we lost Daniel, but we still have the MEC. Um, so, MEC, we lost you there uh, prior, but I think your line is better this time around. Uh, but yeah. uh, the question, perhaps in another way, that I was asking Daniel to you is, uh, since 2013, this situation has been looming. Um, couldn't the city have been, uh, 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 and even the province, uh, the uh, uh, Provincial Department of Housing, been more proactive in trying to resolve this particular situation amicably? Sakina, we had no way of knowing that the, the, the current situation in 2013, because as I said before, in Cape Town, um, as it is the case in many other parts of the city, you have private developers, you have private developers um, who built their stock and run that stock to private owners. And that agreement is between the private developers and those individuals. Um, so we, we did not know about this situation until recently. But here's another thing. I mean, Daniel's um, argument doesn't make sense to me. Because we are dealing here with the crisis um, that we did not know about as provincial government. Um, even if there was a stock next to Woodstock, we have a waiting list in the city of Cape Town and Western of more than 500,000 families. And whenever we develop, if we have a stock somewhere, that stock goes to people who have been on the waiting list for far too long in, in, I mean, in, in our housing demand database. Um, so to say that why there's no stock close to Woodstock, as if, if there was a stock close to Woodstock, um, it would, those houses would remain empty so that we wait for any um, eventuality where uh, private owners evict people so that we can move people in. I mean, that's why that argument doesn't make sense. Because in any way, you will never have empty houses who are waiting for private developers to evict people. But the point here is this. We made an offer. Now, if people who are affected um, choose not to accept the offer that we have made um, for one reason or the other, I mean, we cannot be then to blame this government, um, as Daniel said, that we are throwing our hands in the air and say we are saying it's not our problem. I'm not sure whether he was listening. We never said it's not our problem. And even though this is a matter between the private um, uh, owner and individuals who are affected, we went there, um, we made an offer, but unfortunately they are not happy um, with our offer. Uh, because that is exactly where we are currently developing. What but is the, the offer? Where were you moving them to? Where were they going to be relocated to? People are saying where we are currently developing. Yes, where we are currently developing, um, Sakina, we are developing in terms, as I said. We can only offer them an opportunity where we are currently developing as, as government. So, and, and, and uh, what sort of housing opportunity are they being offered in Delft? Well, they were going to be given an opportunity to become homeowners instead of renting a 40-square-meter B&G house that we offer to people for free. And that is what we're offering them, uh, instead of them being the tenants and also, you know, um, finding themselves in a similar situation in the future. And that is what we were offering uh, these people, I mean, the people affected.
Well, we're going to take some calls on this particular situation. Uh, someone sent me a map of Cape Town indicating uh, that uh, the distance between Woodstock and Delft, they tell me, is almost 30 kilometers and uh, also that there are no train lines there. So uh, that would pose another problem for those families to move around. And then, of course, there was that matter of the 50,000 rand that was offered by the developer, the new owner uh, of that particular property to the families, the 28 families. And it was not uh, compensation per se. Um, as I understand, it was said to be uh, a kickstart, a trust fund that would be set up to try and assist the families further. And uh, while it may be good intention, it just uh, smacks of, you know, uh, the, the, the developer patronizing the residents. But what are your views on all of this? 0891-104-208, uh, SMS line number. That's a cost of one rand that those SMSs will come at. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. Let's speak to Michelle, who's calling us from Woodstock. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. You know, I, I've been part, I, I'm, I'm a resident of Woodstock and I've been part of the meetings um, happening in Woodstock to discuss the gentrification that's going on here in Woodstock and Salt River. So firstly, I want to disagree with the MEC, is that the city and the province and all all the tiers of government involved seem to be off the hook in the situation. And we do need to ask questions about the spatial uh, planning that's still happening in this country and the fact that poorer people are having to live on the periphery of the city. And these residents have school children here. What the city is offering... It's, um, it's Blickiesdorp in the zinc houses outside in the periphery. And there is uh, state uh, land here. There's in Salt River, there's Praza, the station has land. So we, we have a question here about the, the long-term planning and the urban regeneration in Cape Town. And at the moment, what's happening is... The city and government is saying that those of you can't afford has to live on the outskirts. And so, yeah, so they do have a responsibility. And then just on the Woodstock hub, you know, they're creating a charity society. As uh, citizens of South Africa, we pay rates and we pay taxes. So we expect the government to have inclusive development plans. And it is an insult that uh, uh, the, the sort of crowdfunding has been set up to sort of help these residents out. What we do need is public social housing in this in the city, and those arrangements must be made before government and the and private developers sell up the land. And because uh, the city of Cape Town has got, uh, they have to authorize these developments, so they do know what's going on. So it's a bit of a myth to say we don't know what's going on. Thanks. Thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, Charles, you're also in Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, hi, Sakina. Uh, um, Sakina, um, your, your, that NGO, the uh, woman that spoke, he nailed on, on the head that this whole issue of the town plan, the previous board also said, that has uh, not um, been as priority. Um, city of Cape Town, they all, I mean, there was two weeks ago a, a, a resident, his um, he, he escalated by 100%. From three million to six million, how can um, this is only for for, for generation by by the city? So that, like everyone is saying, 
you won't be able to live in Cape Town. The same is happening to um, Bukap. There, uh, people was, was forced removed. Then in Weinberg, the same thing. Everything, and, and then there is property. There's property in Sipoin where um, there was a, a developer wanting to offer 100 million. That is priority for the city of Cape Town to generate rates. I'm not saying that the, 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 the city must function, but there's a limit where people can't afford. And even the middle class, eventually, you won't be able to live in Cape Town. You'll have to go there in the, in, in, in the, in the, the, the suburban suburbs where you, you, you have to travel, you'll have to, 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 to fork out extra cash. I think it, it, it's high time that the residents of, of Cape Town really stand up and really um, oppose this, um, this development plan that the, the, the city wants to keep out the, the, the residents the, the, the original of, of Thank you so much, Charles. Glenn in Johannesburg. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Um, I think if the if the business bought the land rightfully and they want to develop it, that's their choice to actually develop the land. And they've not only gone and given six months notice; they've actually been doing it since 2013, which is three years. I think it's time for the local government to step up and say, "Okay, we're gonna." Uh, allocate housing areas and we're going to help out these people and we're going to give them temporary housing. The business has also gone and set up the trust fund, as you guys have said, mm-hmm. to just assist in this movement. And I think it, it actually falls on the local government to say, okay, this area is residential. We're not going to give it to businesses. But the economy has to grow. Businesses have to develop and more, the more companies, the stronger the economy gets just local government's responsibility to look after the people and house them properly. Yeah, there is an overlap there in responsibility between a local and provincial when it comes to the provision of housing, land uh, to the local, but of course the housing is a national competence. However, you heard the MEC there, Glenn, um, MEC saying that, you know, where should he put them? Because they are waiting lists in other areas closer to the city. Uh, so, and, and, and also the fact that they were not aware of this situation until just recently. So I'm not sure. Uh, you know, how this is going to uh, move this particular situation forward. But I take your point. Thank you so much for the call. Ivan in Kimberley, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Uh, I I was about to say exactly what the previous caller said, but further on, I I think it is time that we as as, as people of this country uh, realize that nothing will come for free every time or we should go up in arms if things become difficult for you. I'm a victim. I, you know, I was seven years old when my, my, my grandma's house was de- demolished. But we didn't sit and wait up until somebody can help us. We moved on. It is time that we as South Africans moved on. Thinking about apartheid every time, yes, it's hurtful, but we need to move on. We have families around, and we should start and build and stop waiting for the governments to come and help us out. Thank you. That's Ivan in Kimberley. Uh, Elijah in Cape Town, good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina. And uh, uh, what I would like to say, I think uh, uh, the very same AMC is lying to, to the people of this country. Because what they have been doing, these people, uh, they have been lying around and telling people that they won't move them. Uh, 
unfortunate one of my, 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 my friend is a victim of this issue. They tell them that they won't move them because uh, they, they will promise, uh, go and vote for us, we won't move you, we will make you live in a better place. But what's surprising them is just that they are telling them to move within this month, and what they are saying, they are saying it's a business opportunity they want to develop. How do you develop a, a, a place that people are living? Why don't you first build them a better place so that they can live in a better South Africa? I think, Sakina, I don't have much to say. I just want to tell this MEC to stop lying to the people of South Africa and be honest to the people because you have been voted by the people of South Africa to be honest to the people. Thanks, Sakina. Thank you so much, uh, Elijah in Cape Town. Let me read some of the messages as well. Uh, Edward Timber says, it seems development is more important than people's lives in the Western Cape. Where are these people going to? Uh, Gina says, people must stay at Woodstock. This is a strategy of promoting whiteness near the city. A doubt has turned into a dumping zone for black children. We see the DA strategy to continue promoting white supremacy. Uh, Jim Pasquale says, the city of Cape Town favors pri- private property developers. They assess and approve these proposals and it's time for the people of Cape Town to say no to unilateral developments that favor private firms over individual citizens. Baba Zile says, SK, that's pure apartheid group area spatial uh, evictions once again disguised as a just private business. Zolani Simia says, uh, this is capitalism at its best. Only the elite must stay close to the CBD and lower class must stay away from it um, and then also the systematic exclusion of lower classes of society from participating in the economy is continuing unabated in South Africa. Pinile Kunene says I'm a middle class and I can't afford to stay in the city. The rent in the city is sky high. Property market in Cape Town is segregation by other means. And then Lionel's contribution this morning is this how the best run city treats the poor, moving them to the outskirts so that the rich cannot be in Convenience. Uh, Uti Christian says any property near public transport in Cape Town is a gold mine and these people will be evicted no matter what. Alvin Kotza says the, uh, the, the, there is a powerful symbolism at play here. Come on, Patricia Delil. Surely you able to see how toxic this is. And let's just take Joshua from PE before I give um, uh, our panel an opportunity to respond to these comments. Joshua, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. <clears throat> Um, Sakina, Patricia DeLille is the agent of white monopoly capital. There's just absolutely no doubt about that. Cape Town has been doing this very systematically over the years. And every time the residents of Cape Town confirm the the DA from the days of the National Party, they've now voted for the DA and gave it over 80% in Cape Town. Helen Zilla is the one that will tell them, you voted for the government that you deserve. So the people of Cape Town, as much as I am very worried about their situation, <clears throat> because it, it seeks to maintain uh, white privilege, however, deserves what, what, what the government are, is giving to them, because they voted for the government. So uh, I'm sorry about, about that, but that is a, a pure fact. They voted for the government and the government is delivering. So the lessons to learn here is that, is this the type of government that the people of Cape Town need? And I'm saying no. They have to decide what to do in future.
Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much, uh, Joshua. Uh, let's hear from our panel now. Uh, MEC, let me start with you. Look, let me deal with this perception here that there are not developments closer to Kinta. Um, we are busy with a massive development in Pinelands, which, which is few kilometers from Cape Town. Um, <clears throat> the city of Cape Town has just announced a massive development right at the city center. Um, we are busy with the development in Salt River, um, again, which is you know, a few meters away from Cape Town. So this perception that we are developing or, you know, um, far away from the city is just that a perception. It's, it's, it's far from the truth. But here's the thing, Sakina, and, and we need to put this into context. We are dealing with families that have been evicted already. Now, people must be realistic here. You can't say we must start developing now for those people. We're talking about people who must be out now, and we offered an, an alternative that is available now. For us to develop um, the kind of development that people are talking about, it's not going to take a day or two. Where are these people going to live in the meantime? So we must be realistic here. But over and above that, as I said, um, when we develop, we develop for people who've been on the waiting list for a very long time. Um, so, you, again, it's an issue of striking the balance between situations like these uh, that happen, you know, unexpectedly when people are evicted by the private owners, but you also have to strike the balance with that situation and with the people who are on the waiting list for 20, 30 years on the cities and the provinces of waiting list. So these are realities that we are dealing with. But another point that I want to make here is that if you look at the population of the Western Cape, Sakina, it grew by 1.7 million people in 13 years, 2002 to 2015, and that is what we are dealing with. And those people are saying we must temper with the market. I mean, and maybe that's a conversation, you know, for another day. But the point here is that we have to discuss the role of government in housing provision because there are people who seem to think that government has solutions to all these problems. Um, because the problem that we have is that, unfortunately, um, when we evict people as government, um, in terms of Pre- Prevention of Illegal Eviction Act, we are required to provide alternative accommodation. And it's not the case for private owners. So every time a private owner evicts people, we have to come and, and, and provide alternative accommodation. And to strike the balance with um, the, the need that is already there and with our limited resources, I mean, that is, that, that is, is a huge issue that we should be discussing here. But we are dealing with families that are facing eviction. We have offered alternative accommodation where we have already structures um, or houses. So for people to be sentimental about what needs to be done, it's not going to help the people that we are talking about now. Well, let's hear from uh, Daniel. Daniel, what's your view on some of these comments? Okay, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Firstly, the perception that uh, government is not developing in the city centre is something that's confirmed by their own policy turn in breaking new ground and the spatial development framework of the city and the commons. If you read those documents, they acknowledge that government has made a huge oversight and mistake in intensifying housing de- development on the periphery and uh, therefore uh, confirming or concretizing the, the spatial form of apartheid that we inherited. So, yes, there's a slow turn happening, but and I don't think that the kind of urgency and political will 
around that imperative that we require in a city suffering from a crisis like Cape Town. A point in case is our other campaign focus, which is the uh, Tafelberg School in Seapoint, which was sold to a private developer to raise quick money so that provincial governments could pay for an unaffordable mega project that they were developing for office buildings in the city centre. This after social housing institutions lobbied very hard and proved that housing was feasible on that. So I do think that um, even though we see one or two developments going up or planned for the future, Pinelands is one that the city and province often go back to. We're not seeing enough um, urgency and political will around that principle, which is actually written into the policies of both these arms of government. Uh, just to respond to some of the other callers, yes, it's true. Cape Town is going to be completely unaffordable for any kind of working professional in a middle or lower income uh, bracket within the very near future. So what we're struggling with here, premised on the bomb wall campaign, is really a much bigger issue about who has a right to stay in Cape Town and what kind of city we're going to be living in. Remember, with every single poor, black, working-class family removed from the city, we move closer to an exclusive city where only wealthy, white, and people in very high-income brackets will dominate areas close to the city, and other people would only be transitory migrants as workers into the city, and that's really what apartheid tried to create. So that leads me to the next point. We can't move on from apartheid when we're seeing the principles of spatial apartheid being applied and reinforced in our city over and over. So the caller that said that we need to move on, it's a new democracy and all of that, how can we move on when the kind of reconciliation that is built into the Constitution and the premise for our society is not being realized in the city and in the spatial form that is Cape Town? Well, um, yes, uh, finish your point, Daniel. I want to come finally to the last point, which was the 50,000 rand that was offered to the families. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen this buy-off of poor families to leave Woodstock happen again. I've personally spoken to families from Blitysdorp who lived in Gimpy Street, the controversial evictions that happened there in 2009. Now, many of those families were given 10,000 rand each. 10,000 rand is a tough salary to actually... Um, for one month to, or two months for a poor family to run their costs on. That's 2009. They're still sitting in Blicky for six years later. So the idea that you could pay off a poor family to leave Woodstock and that in somehow that compensation is a reasonable show of good faith is absolutely unacceptable. This is about access to housing. This is about access to the city. And you can't put any price or buy-off to a poor family to the benefits that living close to the city will bring them and their children and their future generations for years to come. So that just addresses um, the crowdfunding and the fundraising campaign around the Bromwell Street issue. Let me read a few more messages. Uh, This SMS unsigned says, anytime a company wants to patronize me by offering a 50,000 rand to move out of a slum, I'm happy to be patronized. Uh, Tebohoi Nelspreit says, people must move to the new area and the MEC must talk to his colleagues heading transport portfolio to provide scholar transport for those children. Nkosipi in Peter Maritzburg says, the MEC uses uh, these people. This is a clear indication of how the DA government undermines the working class 
across communities. 50,000 rand must be a lifeline, not a once-off. Otherwise, people must uh, must not move. And this one says, uh, why are you giving uh, the impression that people are being victimized? They are renting and therefore cannot expect to stay there permanently. They don't own the houses or the land, so they must go. And uh, Nguza Ji says, middle class must understand that this struggle is ours too. Uh, we we too can't afford to buy property in Cape Town. There is a bigger story here. Well, uh, that unfortunately is where we have to leave it this morning. So by Friday, um, these residents will be evicted and uh, most probably uh, will move out to Delft. Uh, we'll keep tabs on uh, the development so that we can inform you about how the story is moving. Daniel uh, Knutzer from Ndifunugwazi uh, NGO and also MEC Zela, the MEC for Human Settlements in the Western Cape. Thank you so much for your time. And to our listeners, thank you for uh, indulging us this morning. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. But right now, it's time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.